0: We'll go ahead and dismiss the kids at this time for Children's Church. Well, last fall we had an FLBA uh, Propel meeting here at Harvest. And one of the keynote speakers was Pastor Vince uh, DePaula from Lakeshore Community Church. And in a small portion of his message... He shared a simple strategy for sharing the gospel, entitled The Gospel in Ten Words. Uh, When the meeting was over, I asked uh, Pastor DePaula if he would uh, expand on those thoughts into a resource that we could use and uh, better help our churches be prepared to share the gospel. And so this message in particular is based off some of his notes, and I trust will challenge and help us be better prepared in our efforts of understanding and sharing the gospel. So as a point of consideration, there is no one method that is correct and best in sharing the gospel. Um, God uses many, many methods to get the gospel message out, and the most important aspect of evangelism is simply doing it, taking the time, being aware, asking God for opportunities, praying through, and then taking uh, advantage of the opportunities that God gives us to share the gospel. And can I also say that there's a couple things that are true in regards to that as well. You'll never give away what you don't have. You know, there's a lot of us that we would love to help the poor. We would love to do this or that to help our communities. You know, if you're a multimillionaire, you could really step up and say, okay, here's some jingles, here's some jingles, and do this and that. But you can't give away what you don't have. And it's no different with the gospel. If you have the gospel within you, and Jesus Christ has changed your life, you have one of the greatest commodities ever given to mankind. So what are you doing with it? But we can't give away what we don't have, and it's God who does the saving, by the way. We're just as messengers. We're to be faithful. We're to be obedient. We're to share the gospel. But it's God who does the savings. As, as, as he says in the gospels, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase, right? our job is not to save people our job is to share the gospel and let God draw people to himself right and how it works It's God who does the the saving so question is this morning is will you let him use you will you be faithful will you be obedient will you take the opportunities that God gives you that's why we've been talking these last several weeks about just getting out of our comfort zone God said all power is given unto you and you shall be witnesses if it feels good, if it feels right. No. God says, I've given you the power. In Second Timothy, he reminds us he's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. He's given us the tools to do what he's called us to do. The question is, are we willing to be obedient and let God use us? I used to think, uh, and I, I hope my brother's not listening this morning, um, but I used to think my brother's perfect. It's not fair. He needed shot several times growing up. Um, anybody that can go to college, take 22, 23 credits this semester and carry a 4.0 and still play sports and work, they need job. Um, it's just not right. But coming behind my brother, it's like I cannot keep up with that. I'm just not that good. And then God showed me a verse in 2 Chronicles. For the eyes of God run to and fro throughout the whole earth to do one thing, to show himself strong through... Him, that's you, me, anyone, who's willing to let God work through them. God says, I will show myself strong through. I didn't have to be good. I don't even have to be... It's God, right? So it's God working through us. So folks, we don't don't have to have that, that false persona of having to know everything. What we need to have is a heart of obedience and letting God work through us in the way that He would choose. But that means praying for the losses we talked about a couple weeks ago. Praying for those who need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Asking God for opportunities. Are we willing to do that and let God use us? So as we get started today, I want to share with you the ten most important words. And secondly, we'll learn some ideas of how we can share those gospel words with those we may have conversations. Before we do, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word once again, to be reminded of these words. And Lord, it's a simple message. It's a simple strategy of just pointing people back to who you are and who we are not. So God, speak to our hearts this morning, we pray as only you can, through your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I want to give you these ten words, and then we'll break them down just for a moment. So, if you would, you can count them out if you want, but it's God, Holy, God, say it with me, God, holy. Is that not the character of God? God, holy. Second set, people, sinful. Say it with me, people, sinful. Third set of words, Jesus, cross. Jesus, cross. See where we're going with this? See, God is holy, people are, and Jesus Christ provided the cross. And then it comes to us. What do we do with that? Believe and receive. What do we do with it? Believe and receive. Let's break that down just a little bit more here, just for a moment. At the very root of our faith is a sinless, perfect, and holy God. When we look at the world around us, we understand very clearly that this is not a holy world that we live in, right? But one thing that is true, one thing that is constant, one thing that will never change is that God is holy. Holy. In fact, God's Word reminds us and one of my favorite verses in Scripture is Revelation 4.8. It says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and were covered with eyes around and, around and inside. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and who is coming. Is that not a verse of encouragement? I mean, think about it. Can you in your mind's eye even wrap yourself around that thought that for day and night, there are angels who are crying out, holy, holy, holy and it doesn't stop there and begin to uh, uh, proclaim his attributes which are what that he is almighty who was who is and who is coming isn't that awesome that gives us hope that gives us something to look forward to it gives us the idea that this life is not forever and so no matter what the struggles of this life they will pass because we cling to the holy god of heaven And Revelation chapter 15, verse 4, says, Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name, because you alone are holy, for all the nations will come and worship before you, because your righteous acts have been revealed. God saw fit to reveal to mankind that he is a holy God. And God's word reminds us that nothing can enter into heaven that will defile it. That's why no sinfulness can enter into heaven, because it is a place of God's holiness, his righteous character. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, but as the one who has called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. I don't know about you, but that sometimes is a little bit difficult. I don't know about you, but for me it only takes a nanosecond to get in the flesh. If you've ridden with me, you know that. It's not easy sometimes. But it's what God has commanded us to do. And what does he do? He gives us his son as an example. But a holy God of heaven came down to the sinful people of earth. So that's the second set. So God is what? Holy. We need to remember that. And as we have conversations, there is one that is perfect. There is one who has never sinned. There is one who is able to be the perfect sacrifice for the sinfulness of man. That's God and His Son, Jesus Christ. But secondly, the second two, people are sinful. Often, these are the most offensive words as we're talking to people to acknowledge that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Everyone on this earth is a sinner. We don't like to hear those kinds of words. What? I'm, I'm not a sinner. We've all met somebody who says that, well, we don't really sin. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't, I don't steal. I'm not like those other people who do those things. God's Word says if you've been guilty of one point of the law, you're guilty of all of it. Mankind is sinful. But to sin means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. I don't know about you, but I like archery. In fact, I like archery hunting better than I do shotgun because it's quiet. You're out in the woods. There's been many times where I've seen deer, and I just want to sit and watch them. It's just beautiful. It's majestic. But archery takes some practice. But get in your mind's eye. You're there with a bow, and you got a uh, arrow in in the all, all pulled back and ready to shoot, and you have a target. And you release it. And you think, ah, I know this doesn't happen to you, but it went about eight inches off target. That's exactly what it means to sin. You have a bullseye, but you're a little bit outside that bullseye. It's to miss the mark. See, God is holy. Man is not. He says, I want you to be holy as I am holy, but you can't do it alone. You need me. So we need to understand it means to miss the mark. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We miss the mark of God's perfection because of our own sinfulness. And Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all men because all have sinned. Are we willing to acknowledge that I am a sinner? That mankind has sinned and we fall short. In Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6, It's a great reminder that no matter how good we think we are, and there's a lot of people around us who think we're really good people. But Isaiah 64, 6 reminds us, all of us have become like something unclean. And all our righteous acts, do you get that? All of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities, our sinfulness, carry us away like the wind. Think you're good? Think you're really good God says all of your righteous acts anything that you could do that you would think would be better than average anything that you think you could become that's better than the norm of society it's still polluted garments according to God's word and it's not our nature to be perfect it's not our nature to be holy it's not within our nature to be sinless. Romans 3:12 says all have turned away. All alike have become useless. And there is no one who does what is good, not even one. So we need to come to this conclusion that we have missed the mark. And as we talk to people around us, they need to understand they cannot do it by themselves. They need a holy God because we're a sinful people. And in Romans chapter 3.10, it says, There is no one righteous, not even one. And here's the kicker, First John 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin... We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Say, well, I'm not a sinner. You're deceiving yourself, and the truth is not in you. Proving the point that you are and that you need Jesus Christ. Because God is, and people are sinful, but here's where the hope comes in. Jesus Christ. Before I get into this point, just for a moment, I think we've done a disfavor to the world around us. Over the years, I know for many um, years growing up, you know, you want to get people to pray the prayer. If you just repeat these words after me, if you just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, please come into my heart and save me, that'll change everything. It may change everything, but it may not. You see, coming to Christ is not just acknowledgement of saying a prayer. See, really, it is more about the relationship with Jesus Christ and placing your faith and trust in Him and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's not about saying a prayer. In fact, there have been numerous books in the last several years, one of them being entitled Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. took a lot of flack over that one, if you read that. But basically, what he's saying is quit convincing people to say a prayer. Share people who Jesus with people who Jesus Christ is and what God the Father has done and let God do his work in drawing them to himself. Jesus died to bridge the gap between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. Jesus Christ provided a bridge from sinfulness to holiness. And folks, we are helpless and hopeless apart from Jesus Christ. Did you get that? We are helpless and and hopeless, apart from Jesus Christ. We need Him, because our sinfulness separates. And we know this. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God proves His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, He didn't say, Hey, get up to my level, and then I'll save you. No. Because we cannot save ourselves. There's nothing we can get to before He can step down. It's a matter of acknowledging who he is and who we are not. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 2, I want to read these couple of verses. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. It says, And when you were dead in trespasses and in uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken us taken it out of the way by nailing it to the cross. That's what Jesus Christ did. You've heard me say about that word trespass numerous times over the last several years. As a hunter, I don't like no trespassing signs. You've heard me say that. Because everybody knows the bigger deer are on the other side of the property line, right, right? I mean everyone knows that. It's so funny because when you meet somebody on the other side, they think all the good deer are on your side. But here's the situation. The trespass line means you're not to cross it. But the problem is this. As people of this world, we were born on the wrong side of the line. We're born in sin. And here's what he says. And when you were dead in trespasses and in uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him. And forgave us all our trespasses. He says, even though you've crossed the line, if you get caught trespassing, there can be a lot of stiff penalties. Sometimes you forfeit your license, your, your, will, your ability to hunt. Sometimes you are fined with a hefty fine that basically says, uh, yeah, I shouldn't have done this because it's cost me a lot. He says, listen, every penalty you have from being born over here was abolished at the cross. So here's the point. God forgave our sin debt. He erased the certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken us out of the way by nailing it to the cross. He did that. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. And after being put to death in the fleshly realm, but made alive in the spiritual realm, he took care of the debt. Does that not give us hope? That this life that we live is temporary. It's not forever. We're only here for a short time, and then we have something much greater to look forward to if we know Jesus Christ. And then John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But isn't there many roads to heaven? I mean, can there be any number of ways, any number of religions, any number of denominations, any, way, you know, any number of, you know, of uh, opinions and, you know, and ideas that would get it? No. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is the only door. So, God is holy. People are... But Christ went to the cross. And that's where the hope begins. So then it comes down to us. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? You know, we cannot save ourselves. I mean, it's all information at this point, right? I mean, it's... Okay, it sounds great. So God send a son to die on a cross, but what do we do with that? We must receive him on his terms. Would you disagree with this? People of life want the benefits, the blessings, the good things of life without the sacrifice and the hard work. We live in a world that says, you deserve a break today. You deserve to have it your way. As Alexis, you know, point is in a commercial passionate pursuit of excellence I mean you can have it all it's there for the taking but that's not what scripture teaches we cannot save ourselves we are saved by his grace receive him on his terms it's not an academic exercise it's not just a prayer that you say and this is where the commitment factor comes in are we willing to be committed to Jesus Christ as God was committed to us in sending His Son? Are we willing to live out a life of commitment, a relationship with Him? So, say, well, I believe. Well, what does that mean anymore? What does it mean that I believe? I mean, because everyone believes. The devil believes. In fact, James uh, chapter 2, verse 19 says, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe, and they tremble. So you believe. What's the difference? Well, John 1.12 says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God to those who believe in his name, to believe on his name, to believe in his name, to believe through him. Are we willing to do that? Not just to escape the penalties and the harshness of hell. Sometimes we think that's a reward-based salvation. Well, if you just say this prayer, you don't have to go to hell anymore. That may be true, but that's not the reward. The reward is a relationship with Jesus who loves you. Far greater than escaping hell is to walk with Jesus Christ. So it's not just an insurance, fire insurance escape plan. In fact, if that's our focus, I would say that it's not salvation. We have the ability to become families, part of the family of God. Through our faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and that this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. You know the truth of that scripture. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. You cannot be a good enough person. You cannot help enough people. You cannot give enough money away. You cannot do anything. Because if there's something you can do to earn your status in heaven, your place at the table, Jesus Christ died in vain. And it was a worthless death. You see, what He did took care of the cost. And there's nothing we can do other than to place our faith and trust in His finished work. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The word wages really is a simple word. It means your due reward, what we deserve. If we got what we deserve, we'd all spend eternity in hell. That's a fact. So the bottom line is, sin separates, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where it's all at. That's the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, is that we spend eternity with Him in a relationship with Him probably the most famous verse that you've ever heard John 3.16 for God loved the world in this way he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life that's the ultimate sacrificial gift of love is what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross so here it is God is holy people are holy Jesus Christ went to the... And all of us have the ability to believe and receive. Now what do we do with that? So it's a great message. So it's a message of hope. So it's a message that can change everyone's lives. What do we do with that? We accept it, but then we share it. As we talk with folks around us that need a relationship with Jesus Christ... Not too difficult to say, you know what? We serve a holy, awesome, righteous God. And unfortunately, we are not. We're not. We're sinful. I don't know about you, but I'm sinful. Are you sinful? Have you ever ever missed the mark? Have you ever done anything wrong? Have you ever cheated, stolen, lied? We're all sinful people. But there's hope. Jesus Christ paid our sin debt how, how does that help us? Well, we have an opportunity to place our faith and trust in Him and have a relationship with Him for the rest of eternity. That's, a, that's some, of the, some of the most important words you'll ever hear. And it's all about Him and nothing about us. It's all about Him. So what do we do with that? Are we willing to share that? Are we willing to say, God, use me to get that message out? there's a thousand other ways you can do it but just ten simple words God is holy man is sinful Christ went to the cross and all of us we have the opportunity to believe and receive and so can you my question is twofold this morning do you know Jesus I'm not talking about have you said a prayer I think a lot of people in a lot of churches have said prayers and they're going straight to hell Because there's been no life change. It has to be a life change. It's not an insurance protection against going to hell. It's a walk and a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ? And secondly, if you do, are you sharing that hope with others? I pray that God would give us opportunities. In everyday conversations everyday appointments that he has divinely created so that we could speak out. You know, here's the deal. You've heard me say it before, and I'm going to continue to say it as long as I'm pastor here. Sharing the gospel really is easy. It's simply sharing your story of what God has done for you with someone else. Isn't that the example that we get from the woman at the well? She simply, when God got a hold of her life. When Jesus changed her, she couldn't help but share that story with others. Will everybody accept because of what you say? No. But in that text, it says many people believed. God may use you to bring others to himself if you'll let him. I want you to ask yourself a question and be honest. I want you to be very, very honest with yourself this morning. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? Seriously though, when's the last time you accepted an opportunity, a divine appointment that God provided to share your faith with somebody? Well, I invited someone to church. Well, that's wonderful. Great. Great. I told someone else I'm a Christian too. Wonderful. But when's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? Which is why I started this series a few weeks ago is that we need to start thinking outside their comfort zone. We need to start praying for opportunities. We need to start praying for the lost. Because they're all around us. I'll close with this illustration if someone you loved and were very near and dear to if they found out they had cancer and you could remotely do something about it to help them, encourage them to help them feel better would you do it? My hands up Sure We say if you didn't want to that wouldn't be loving that wouldn't be kind I mean, we ought to be willing to reach out. I mean, if they're, if they're sick or dying or, or going through a difficult time, I mean, we should want to help them. Do whatever is within our might to encourage them. Lift them up. And we do. But why don't we have the same focus towards those who are dying and going to hell? A couple of weeks ago, we said we we're going to start the 411 initiative. Four people that we know needs a relationship with Jesus Christ. Pray for them for a minute once a day. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to get involved in the world around us and sharing the gospel and pointing others to Christ because we have that hope? I don't know about you, but it's not easy. That's why God says, I've given you the power because you can't do it in and of yourselves. But these are 10 words that will change everyone's hope, everyone's future. Have something to look forward to. Because God is holy, people are sinful. Christ went to the cross, and we have an opportunity to believe and receive. Do you know Him? Have you received Him? Has He changed your life? Has He given you a hope and a purpose and a future? And are you sharing that message with others? Let's pray.